Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 34. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scout Matt Nine. Going to be just the two of us today as we head into week 10. Got a lot of stuff to talk about, but first, remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe to our Patreon. We've got daily content. Um, also head on over to our website, ffballallday.com. We're still posting some free content there. Uh, we have a really great redraft playoff article up. Our our own Dynasty Doc posted uh, some playoff schedules, breakdowns of players that you're going to want to acquire to make a playoff run in redraft and, and kind of favorable schedules and, and things like that. So I know... You know, most of our listeners are dynasty based, but we do get a lot of requests for redraft. So trying to give you some redraft content as well. So make sure to check that out. Also download the Thrive app. Uh, put in the code FFSCOUTS for 100% match up to $100. You can play the over-under games on Thrive. Uh, like I said, they'll match you up to $100. But with the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about some some guys that have been in the news, Dalvin Cook, OBJ, break down Jordan Love, talk about Mahomes and the Chiefs, and we're going to talk Javante Williams and Najee Harris, which one of the two will Matt and I, would Matt and I rather have? I think you probably know the answer if you've been listening, but we're going to break it down a little bit, and then we're going to play a little game of keep, trade, cut. So let's get into the show. mentioned a few guys been in the news lately um if you haven't been on twitter or uh you know following the nfl landscape the last i don't know 24 hours or so there's been some news on dalvin cook obviously it's not really up to us to you know determine what we think the outcome will be from a legal standpoint but there have been some accusations um from an ex of Dalvin Cook about domestic abuse and domestic violence. Dalvin Cook, uh, his camp is is basically claiming that he's the victim. So it's a little bit of a he said, she said. But Matt, I want to get your thoughts real quick just on the situation and kind of what, what are you doing with Dalvin Cook right now? Well, for all parties involved, I hope everyone's okay. You know, I hope they've been able to move past it. Obviously, it's a very sensitive subject and we don't want, you know, Domestic abuse is not appropriate. It's not tolerated in any capacity whatsoever. So I hope, you know, whoever's at fault here or, or the respective parties get the help that they need moving forward. But as for Dalvin Cook in a dynasty, uh, in a dynasty thought process, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what what to do, honestly, because, I mean, he is playing this weekend. Um, this is a situation where it could go south rather quickly for him. This could be borderline potentially career ending if if some of the stuff that's out there is true um i i think it would be smart to go send out some offers for alexander madison right now just in case uh, as well as let's see kine unwange or unwangu i think that's how you say his name i think it'll be more of a committee between those two guys for the remainder of the season 
Uh, I also don't think it's crazy to shop Dalvin Cook to somebody who either hasn't heard the news or is okay with acquiring a player under his circumstance. I'm not saying you need to sell low necessarily, but it, it never hurts to just send an offer. Hey, you interested in Cook? Maybe making a swap. You know, Cook for Mixon right now I think would be a fantastic, fantastic swap for you, especially if you're contending or something like that. But still, a lot of question marks, a lot of unknowns, a lot of risk with this situation. I'm just I, honestly, I, I I can't give any real concrete advice fantasy wise. Yeah, I think for me, I was looking to trade Dalvin. I have him in like three leagues. I already traded him in one, but he's a guy I was sort of looking to move off of just because he's starting to reach that, you know, that point of his second contract and his age and he's banged up a lot. So he's kind of, he was already a bit of a sell to me. Um, I think right now, a lot of the time, these legal situations can take a long time to play out. And there's always the possibility that, you know, if it escalates and, and and it gets to this point that he would go on the commissioner's exempt list. But I think generally these things take a little while. So I think it's wise to maybe try to sell him to a contender, kind of as you mentioned, Matt, and just with the thought that, hey, look, you're you're trying to win a title this year. Who knows what next year holds, but you can get Cook for the remainder of this year at least. He's, you know, and, and don't sell low, but maybe, you know, bake – bake a little bit of that risk into the into the price and, and get back some good young pieces. So that's kind of what I'm looking to do. But I think you can, you know, continue to play him as, you know, you said he's going to be on the field this weekend. So continue to play him as long as he is on the field. And you got one more thing, Matt? Yeah, I, I will say, though, when he did come out of college at FSU, I dropped this in our Discord earlier this morning. There were a lot of character concerns with him. He was suspended for multiple games while he was at Florida State for dogfighting as well as abusing his own animals. So there is not necessarily domestic abuse, but there is a little bit of a background with abuse, at least on animals uh, in his past. So something like this, unfortunately, wouldn't be shocking for him to do. But at the same time, it, it, it is unfortunate all the way around. Yep. Good point. A lot of people probably don't know that or don't remember that, but uh, that's worth mentioning. Let's move on to another guy who's been in the news, uh, kind of negative, but not uh, legally. Um, but Odell Beckham kind of forcing his way out of Cleveland. He has cleared waivers. He's now a free agent. He's free to sign anywhere. I've heard that it's down to the Packers and the chiefs, but then I've also heard the saints are still in the mix as well as the Patriots, I guess. What do you make of this situation, Matt? And, and, you know, I guess where, where would you like to see him go? Where do you think he goes? Uh, what's your kind of assessment of the situation? I think he's going to end up either a new England Patriot or new Orleans saint. That's, that's where I'm leading right now. I don't think the chiefs or the Packers are, are going to be able to land him. Uh, I, I do know that the Patriots are making the strongest push between them and the Saints. However, the Saints are also making a very significant effort to land him. I think it's kind of funny how he was sick of uh, Baker Mayfield, but then if he ends up in, in New Orleans, he's going from Mayfield to Simeon. So I don't I don't understand that, that thought process. I think it's pretty funny. But from a fantasy perspective, I, I, I don't think his value changes all that much, at least not right away. Uh, I would actually prefer to see him in New England more than any, but more than anywhere else between those two teams, because New England does build their wide receiver core really around one guy, 
and he would be the one guy to go along with a multiple uh, uh, running back attack as, as well as his tight ends that they have there. So I think that's the best fit for him. I think his off-field issues, or at least his on-field, off-field issues, if that makes sense, the antics on the sidelines, you know, that kind of stuff would get under check under Belichick. I do know that they've kind of always wanted, you know, Belichick's always wanted him, and Odell's kind of always wanted to be there. But if he does go to New Orleans, I don't think that's a bad fit either because it doesn't seem like Michael Thomas is coming back this year. So he would be the clear number one there. It is Trevor Simeon. It could be Taysom Hill. It's not Jameis Winston. So I don't know if the target quality is going to get actually better than what Baker was offering him. So for me in Dynasty, I, I definitely think I'm sending out some offers. Uh, I don't know what he's going for right now. Maybe you have that. But definitely would like to see him in New England over New Orleans. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's what you mentioned is kind of why I don't really see him ultimately ending up in new Orleans just because I mean, if, if you're unhappy with Baker Mayfield and that, that running offense in Cleveland, you know, you're going to be with, like you said, Trevor Simeon, maybe Taysom Hill, whatever it may be. Um, I think new, uh, new England makes a lot of sense being there with, with, uh, Belichick and, and Mac Jones. I still like the Packers and Chiefs as options, especially if he's, you know, just going to take a, a small contract for the rest of the season. Go somewhere like, especially Kansas City. Um, I'll give a shout out to our guy Hayden Winks, who we had on the show. I heard him mention that he likes that fit because, especially for Odell to kind of flip the narrative, because if he were to go to KC and their offense kind of starts to turn it around, whether that's due to him or not, he's going to get a lot of positivity out of that in terms of, Hey, like, look, I joined the chiefs and all of a sudden the offense took off and, and turned around and, you know, he can carry that narrative into free agency next year. So I kind of like that fit, but I agree with you. The, um, uh, his, his overall value doesn't really change. The one thing I will say is that I think, uh, he looked pretty good on film coming back from the injury. I thought he looked pretty explosive, you know, certainly not the, the same exact player as we have seen in the past, but pretty explosive. So, I mean, I think he can still definitely offer a team some upside, just not quite the same. Um, I do have some trades pulled up here. Um, this one is, I don't know if it's a, it's a one to two quarterback. So you can start one or two super flex, I guess. Uh, Tua and Odell for Terry McLaurin. What side would you take in a, in a super flex league there between Tua and Odell versus McLaurin? Yeah, probably Tua. Yeah, I mean, two-quarterback league, that's that's pretty good. Um, here in another league, he went for – this is a one-quarterback league. He went for a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, I will just say I would not – sell for that i'd i'd rather have odell um unless it's like well yeah i would rather have odell in that situation what do you think i mean we have no knowledge of where that second round pick is yeah. but that's probably, probably about yeah. right i mean i wouldn't give up a first yeah i wouldn't give up a first him. maybe multiple but, seconds maybe two seconds or yeah. two or three yeah i think that's about right so just to kind of give you guys an idea but um stay tuned to see where 
Back on I, my ends. I will say though, of those those four teams, uh, Kansas City, Green Bay, New Orleans, and New England. If he lands in New England from a long-term perspective, I was just looking at the cap. They're in a really good spot to sign him long-term at the end of the year. So he could sign for a relatively, I would say more than the veteran minimum right now. And then at the end of the year, he could get a big extension from New England, which I think might be likely. Uh, but those other three teams, I don't I don't really see them extending him after the season. And they would get back a, comp, a compensatory pick, which would probably end up being a three or a four. So there's a lot of win-win for the teams that are trying to get him right now. But like I said, ultimately, I, I think he signs a one-year deal in New England and then signs a pretty nice extension this offseason to stay in New England. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I think the Patriots make a lot of sense for him long-term. So if that's what he's looking at, they make a ton of sense. Um, but if he's looking just to kind of maybe inflate his value heading into the offseason and just try to land a big, big paycheck in the offseason from whomever – I think like the Chiefs make a ton of sense, but long term, yeah, definitely with you on the Patriots. Uh, let's move on to a team in the mix, actually, for Odell, the, the Packers. We saw Jordan Love make his first NFL start. Mixed reviews for sure. The numbers don't look great, but obviously there's a lot more to it than just the numbers and and you know what you I guess see in the box score. There's a lot more on film, and I know that. You've kind of looked at that a little bit more closely, Matt. So I want to get your thoughts. He did go, just so you guys know his numbers, he was 19 of 34, 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception, uh, ran the ball five times, 23 yards, completion percentage, 56%, 11.9 fantasy points. So not a great day, but again, this is his first NFL start. So what did you make of Jordan Love? So I'm just I'm going to repeat the same thing that I've said in the discord and on Twitter. I don't think he was bad. I just he just looked inexperienced. He looked like a guy that was making his first start in what we can argue is a very hostile environment. And down in Kansas City uh, in the Arrowhead Stadium, where it's one of the loudest, if not the loudest stadium in the league. Uh, he got no help from his O-line. I, I got to watch this fantastic breakdown by J.T. O'Sullivan. Uh, you can follow his breakdowns at the underscore QB underscore school on Twitter. And he did this breakdown that I thought was fantastic, where he really outlined a lot of the play designs, a lot of the stuff that Matt LaFleur drew up wasn't actually any any good. Uh, there was a, a lot of the players surrounding him had really bad days, which in turn made him look a lot worse than what he probably actually played. Uh, there were multiple times where the left tackle who was filling in Bakhtiari, uh, his name uh, is escaping me right now. Uh, he let guys go by him left and right. Like he missed assignments all day long, which caused a lot of the really ugly throws that we saw. So Jordan Love wasn't able to stand back there and deliver. Now, if you look at the throws where he's in the pocket, where he has time to protect, there's zip. It's accurate. It's the correct decision. When you look at plays where he's under pressure, he has a defender in his face, a hand in his face, or he's getting pulled down. He throws. The throw looks bad. You're like, well, come on, man, make that throw. And I'm just like, yeah, I understand he missed Devontae Adams deep on one of those. It could have been an easy touchdown. I think it would have been like a 40-ish yard touchdown or something like that. He threw it a little bit out of bounds, and, and Devontae had two yards on his guy, and you like look at the throw, and you're like, Jordan, you got to hit that throw. I'm like, well, let's circle back. I mean, he's like being tackled as he's throwing that. Like, you can't he can't see it that quickly, especially when you have a guy in your face that quickly. So for me, I liked what I saw. 
in context, obviously there's a lot of room to grow. There's a long way to go. But I think if you're a Packers fan or Jordan Love owner in Dynasty, I think you have to come away pretty pleased, feeling better about this than what you did going into it, not even knowing. Because if the team around him plays better or more well, I guess you could say, then he's going to be just fine. And a lot of those throws that he made to Devontae Adams, I mean, we've been spoiled watching Rodgers. Rodgers is one of the most accurate passers in NFL history. So I don't I don't feel that it's fair to compare love to Rodgers in any capacity whatsoever. And I've seen people on Twitter, it's like, oh, Rodgers would have made that throw. Oh, Rodgers would have made that throw. I'm like, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's a huge gap between Rodgers and the first start ever for Jordan Love, obviously. And Jordan Love will probably never even reach Aaron Rodgers' ceiling. So it's not a fair comparison. A lot of the throws he missed were timing throws that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, a chemistry that they developed over the past five to six years. Obviously, he's going to miss those. A lot of them, a lot of the throws that Rodgers makes are very, are like what you could call trust throws, where you know, you know, where the wide receiver likes it. You know, when roughly when he's going to turn around, you know, how many yards down the field, et cetera, to throw it. And Jordan just, he just doesn't have that, that chemistry with Devontae. He's never taken reps with the ones, really. They weren't there in the offseason at OTAs because they all held out with Rodgers. And then he had the two weeks of training camp that he took. But that's the first time ever because he was essentially redshirted his his uh, rookie year. So there's a lot of hate going around. I don't understand it. I think he's a great buy in dynasty. I would send out a second if that's declined. I paid a 23-1 over the summer. I think that's my personal ceiling. I don't think I would pay more than that. Uh, I would pay a 22-1. I would pay a 24-1, but I'm not sure I would pay more than a love for first round pick swap. Yeah, I think you made a good point in regards to the timing. A lot of those throws were just a hair off. I mean, just, you know, a few inches high and and behind the receiver, which a lot of that does come with with timing and and reps. And we've seen Rodgers, I mean, him and Adams seem like they could complete passes with their eyes closed together, like just trusting each other and knowing Adams knows where that ball is going to be. Rodgers knows where Adams is going to be. That takes time. and. I think we saw Love, you know, he throws a good ball. He's he, he did get some pressure where the offensive line, I mean, I saw I watched the same breakdown as you, Matt, after you shared it. And, I mean, we saw guys coming clean through the A and B gap. Yeah, just right made, at him. I mean, what is a young quarterback to do in that situation? Yeah, like, I, I honestly, if, if you're listening, go watch that breakdown and then come back to me and be like, I, what else do you want Jordan Love to do in those situations? Like, I just, I don't understand. And it's not fair. This this narrative has got to stop. It's not fair to judge a quarterback under pressure. Every quarterback sucks under pressure. Watch the clean pocket plays. Watch what he does. Judge him for those plays. And he delivers. Yep. Every, you said it. Every quarterback struggles under pressure. Go look at the numbers of every quarterback with pressure versus no pressure. Their numbers are drastically different and a guy making his first NFL start with limited reps with the starting unit is is going to struggle like that and a lot of the balls that were just a few inches high a few inches behind that's gonna you know with experience those are going to start to shift and be on the money and then all of a sudden you know his total output looks a lot better he wasn't even outplayed by the guy on the other side either like he had a True. better statistical day than Mahomes. And that's not saying that, oh, love is better than Mahomes or anything like that. 
But I mean, it's not like the Packers were beat up and like they were just destroyed and Jordan Love had no chance. I mean, it well, the final score was 13 to 7, right? What about the the missed field goal from Crosby and the blocked field goal field goal from Crosby? How how are we feeling about Jordan Love today if that game is 13-13 and goes into overtime? And Very and they true. and they lose like 16-13 or something like that. Like he did enough for them to at least push into overtime, but the team around him didn't get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And if like you said, if it, if that goes into overtime, we're looking at it a lot differently and also, you know, a lot of people say like oh, he, he faced the Chiefs, like it's a bad pass defense, and that's fair. But as you mentioned, it is a, a hostile environment. That is a tough place to go in and, and play, especially against that, you know, that Chiefs, knowing that Chiefs offense is on the other side, that's that's an intimidating stadium situation for somebody making their first start. I don't care how bad the defense is, even if it's historically bad. It's your first start ever. It's going to be a difficult time for you because it's an NFL defense. That's the first defense he's seen since he was at Utah State. So 32nd or first overall, it doesn't matter to me. It's going to be difficult in your first start. Yep, absolutely well said. Um, I was going to pull up some of his trades, but I think maybe a better activity uh, we should do. Where would you value him in terms of the current rookie class? So would you rather have him or Trevor Lawrence, him or Zach Wilson, him or Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones? Where would you put Jordan Love uh, ranking him with those guys? I would definitely take Lawrence or Fields. I want Love over Wilson and Jones, but it's Trey Lance. Is I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Trey Lance. Because we've talked about this on podcasts before. I mean, Jordan Love is either going to be a top five fantasy quarterback or he's not even going to be in the league. Like, there's no in-between for him. His intangibles, his upside is ridiculous. But it's just a question of, is he going to get there? Like, right now, like, at least, like, for example, at least with Jalen Hurts, we've seen he has a high floor. But we don't know what his ceiling is yet. With Jordan Love... We know how big his ceiling is, but he has an equally low floor to match it. Like we just don't know. So yeah. I, I and the and Lance and, and Love are kind of in the same spot, like both first round picks. We know they're both going to start at some point, but how good will they actually be? Lance definitely has more rushing appeal to him than what Love does, even though if you have the stats there in front of you, what was Love like six for thirty-five or something like that on the ground? Like it wasn't bad. I mean, he definitely helped helped you out there a little bit if you started him. And I'm not saying there is rushing upside with him, but it's not like he's immobile. He can definitely escape a pocket and get you a first down if you need it. Yeah, he was five. What is it? He rushed five for 23, five for 23. But I think I would take, I'm in the same boat as you in terms of his value, but I think I would take, I would take Lance over him. Just, just I think that's a coin flip. Because I yeah, like both coaching close. staffs. I like both organizations. Both head coaches know exactly what they're doing with their quarterbacks. So that's that's a coin flip. I think for me, him and Fields are close. Like, I would take Lance. I don't know about Fields. Fields is, like, right in that mix, too, with, with tons of upside. But I think he has more middle ground um, than Love or Lance. But that's kind of kind of where he lands for us. So, and What um, would you pay for him? That's a good question. I tried to get him in a super flex league and the owner just wanted 
so much, like basically multiple firsts worth. Um, I would pay. It's just one of those things. If you believe and he hits, then it doesn't look like a bad trade, you know, a year, two years from now, but there's just so much uncertainty. I would, I would pay like a late. Well, yeah, I would pay like a a late first, mid to late first, Um, especially with the quarterback class coming up is, you know, would you take right now? It doesn't look great. If you needed a QB, would you trade your 2022 one for Jordan Love, knowing he's probably going to start next year? Or would you rather take a guy in this upcoming class? I would take Jordan Love. I think I would, too. I think I would I would prefer Jordan Love to any quarterback this year. So with that in mind, really, he's worth your first no matter because, you know, in a super if flex league, if, I mean, if it's the one or the two, I don't know, because there's a couple good running backs. Obviously, right. this, is an, this is another pretty solid receiver class. So it's just dependent on team need. But but if you're if your team is stacked and you're like, oh, am I going to take? you know, Malik Willis or Sam Howell or, or Matt Corral, the one, one, I would, I would trade that away for Jordan. You could probably get Jordan love plus with the one, one, honestly. That's the, the, I hate to keep referencing my league, but that the league I referenced where I, I was trying to get love. I, I won it back to back seasons this year. I had some, you know, unfortunate injuries and stuff, but I think my team, I'm trying to just kind of reload for next year. And so that's like the situation where I really want love because I trade away Russell Wilson. You know, I only have, I think Ryan Tannehill is my only quarterback. So, but I can definitely compete next year. So I think love is like the perfect candidate for a a team like that. He's going for, I mean, just very mixed, like in a one quarterback, there's a recent trade here, him for Sam Darnold straight across, which obviously are taking love. Sure. There's another one, Darnell Mooney and a first for Love and Henderson, which I think is a steal as well for Love and yeah, Henderson. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, let's see. There's a lot of like big trades with him in. It, it's um, just belief. It comes down to the owner's belief in him. There's there's several quarterbacks out there like that right now. You know, Jalen, Tua, Love is another one. Uh, who else? Maybe Wince. Maybe Wince. Wince could be one of those mm-hmm. guys where he's just like, it's just owner dependent. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's just, I mean, because these trades are kind of all over the map. Here's one uh, next year's two and three for love, which is, a, yeah, I would take love in that yeah, situation. It's, it's steel. The one below it is a 2022 first. So that's kind of what we talked about. And then the one below that is Cam Akers for Jordan Love, which is interesting. It's kind of dependent on team needs. and But I, I would probably, I mean, I'd probably rather have love there. Just I, I think I'm yeah. kind of out on acres like you are. So I mean, there'll probably be a lot of scenarios where some of you guys listening have the 101 in your upcoming rookie draft. I would send out an offer for like the 108, the 109, or the 110, and Jordan Love. Like fall back from the one spot to the 10 spot and pick up Love with that. Like that's that's that would be a phenomenal get. Yeah, that's a really good point. That that would be kind of an ideal move. Um, okay, let's move on to. The the other team that the Jordan Love played against the Chiefs, Mahomes. We've seen some regression out of Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. I think, you know, that's one reason I mentioned. I think Odell would would make sense there because the Chiefs. I think there's a few problems. One is that they're not running the ball efficiently. There's not a huge running threat. That's allowing defenses to specifically take away or you know do their best to take away Hill and Kelsey 
and the Chiefs just don't have another weapon. If you throw somebody like Odell over there, you know, teams are going to have to at least be honest there. I think also, even though Clyde Edwards-Alaire has not been great, I think getting him back will help because I do think at this point, after seeing a little bit of Williams in that role, I do think CEH is better, but I really think they could benefit from an upgrade at running back and just another playmaker on the outside in that offense. But the regression for Mahomes is just, you know, it's, you can't argue with it. He's, he's not looked great. He's turning the ball over at a pretty alarming rate. He didn't turn it over last week, but that was last week was his first game without a turnover since week one. So that tells you a lot there. He's still QB six. So, you know, but what do you make of the situation, Matt, and, and the home's regression? So I, I've watched a handful of different breakdowns on Mahomes over the last month or so, and it's it's the same message I get every time. It's that he's been playing YOLO ball for like two or three years now. Getting out of the pocket, making the deep plays. Uh, it's hard to contain him. He's just basically being an athlete playing quarterback. And now the defenses have figured out if you can make him stay in the pocket and, ba- and take away Tyreek Hill, basically, then he struggles completing passes from the pocket because he's not able to get out. He's not able to make that big play. And a lot of the turnovers that you're seeing, some of them, granted, have come off you know bad uh, batted balls, uh, dropped balls by the receiver where a defender dives under it or it hits the receiver's hand and pops up. So some lenience there, but some of his interceptions is just bad decisions. Um, last week uh, in the same breakdown that Jordan Love was uh, was in, there was some some passes that he threw deep when he had a check down available and you're running back or, or your outlet, your tight end outlet, your wide receiver that's running a shallow or whatever could have picked you up 15, 20 yards, just run downfield, throw it short. But he's not seeing that stuff right now. And he's just he just wants to force the deep ball. And teams are like, we're going to keep you in the pocket. We're going to take away Tyreek. So can you beat us short? Like, march yourself down the field. And I think that's what's frustrating Mahomes and Andy Reid is that they want to score and they want to score big, but they don't want to be forced to march down the field. They want chunk plays. And that's what other defenses have figured out that's that, that, that works. And they're taking that stuff away. So I think that's where the aggression comes. I think he's basically going to have to relearn to play quarterback from the pocket. And then the YOLO should have come second. So he's kind of doing this in reverse. Obviously, I'm not really worried. I think he'll figure it out. He'll he'll be all right. But it's just it's just interesting to see that teams are, are you know, he's struggling from the pocket as opposed to being forced to throw on the run all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good a good point about, mm-hmm. you know, always trying to hit the chunk play and and the the money, you know, the deep play and the, the money ball. I mean, he's throwing, he's number two in air yards. He's number two in danger plays, um, which is kind of a, a you got a judgment player metric. profile. Yeah, player profile. Number what's, two in danger plays. I mean, what's big time throws. Um, where is it? Is that at the bottom? Well, maybe. Is it money throws? Yeah, that one. Yeah, he's got 24 of them, so he's number three. Uh, it might be on PFF. I don't know. But, yeah, regardless. I mean, regardless, he's, you know, this offense is so reliant on big plays. So I think that's why they could really benefit from 
just man a better running game i think would go such a long ways and also a receiver <clears throat> i mean odell's definitely oh, here we go threat but he can do, he can be kind of a possession receiver over the middle to help that too go ahead he's he has 12 big time throws according to pff which ranks 20th right now interesting wow that's not good his i'm looking at i mean even his accuracy rating is number eight um yeah his his passer rating let's see here or passer i should say grade not rating he's 28th right now according to pff that's not good yeah, his deep ball completion percentage is 33, good for 24th in the league. So that just tells you he's not hitting that deep ball. Yeah. But like I said, that, that's what teams are taking away. Right. They basically figured out this is two things to beat the Chiefs right now. We're going to keep Mahomes in the pocket, and we're going to take away Tyreek Hill. You can use Travis Kelsey all you want, but you're only going to get 10, 15 yards at a time as opposed to your big 40-yard, you know, 60-yard touchdown type stuff. And and the Chiefs just don't want to play that way. And, and they they continue to force their hand, and it's just not working. So until they learn to adjust and march down the field, you know, methodically instead, then they're going to continue to look like they have looked since the season started. Yep, absolutely. And he does have 20 dropped passes, uh, which is second in the league. So he's, he's experiencing some drops as well, um, you know, especially with M- – McCole Hardman hasn't stepped up to be kind of the next guy in that offense. Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, <clears throat> like I said, they just don't really have anybody outside of uh, Hill and Kelsey. So are you, has your opinion changed drastically on the value of those three players or I guess kind of where do you stand on them? Not drastically. I've, I've, I put Josh Allen as my dynasty QB one for right now. Uh, and then Mahomes at two. I just swapped them. I had him at opposite. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I think, is still the tight end one. I actually think I might have moved him down to two, if I remember correctly. And I think Darren Waller's the one now. But regardless, and then Tyree Kill is still a top, top two, top three dynasty wide receiver. So, n- no, I, I don't think I don't think it's changing drastically at all. I, I just think it's a combination of there's definitely some struggles right now that that might take until next year to figure out, and like a long off season, a good hard look at yourself. And then the fact that there are just some other guys around the league that are just playing exceptionally well. Yeah, there's a there's a few high end quarterbacks now that are just really good. So I think, like you said, it's not a drastic change, but maybe just you're taking a few of these other guys, just giving them a slight edge over the Chiefs guys for now. But and and it's another one of those things that I talk about in the Discord all the time. In a super flex or a two QB league, it never hurts to ask. Like, go out and shop Mahomes. You don't have to trade him. It's free to talk to see what you could get in return. And if you could get, you know, a, a Kyler Murray who's hurt right now, and like a Javante Williams, like, would you make that trade? Like, if I offered you Mahomes for Kyler Murray and Javante, you would keep Kyler Murray and Javante. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think trades like that are possible right now because there is the frustration around Kyler's ankle specifically. And then maybe the Mahomes owner's just looking to cash out and somebody's like, oh shit, you know, you still offered me the QB one. I I think it's a struggle, you know. I think you could get a relatively similar QB plus a pretty good piece to go with them or picks. Yeah, definitely. And it not just I mean, that's kind of a, a dynasty lesson 
as a whole. Like you should always know the market and yeah. be talking trades just just so you know like what your players' values are around the league and how guys are valuing and just people in general. For the Discord listeners listening, this is not me saying go actively shop Mahomes. I'm just saying it doesn't cost you anything to send a DM and just kind of gauge what you could get back because maybe your return you like a lot better than keeping Mahomes right now. You just never know until you ask. Yep, you never know until you ask. That's exactly right. Uh, let's move on to a couple of rookie running backs, which if you are a listener of the show consistently and have been for a little while, you know that Matt and I had Javante Williams as our RB1s of the class. Um, I got some grief from a few of the guys for having Javante Williams as high as my, I think, RB13 at the beginning of the season. I would say that's right in line with kind of where he's at right now. We, I think Matt, you and I, we still prefer Javante Williams in the long run. To be clear, this isn't, uh, you know, a hit piece against Najee Harris, or we're not telling you to fade Najee. He's, he's putting up big numbers with a ton of volume. So Javante Williams is kind of just, been a lot more efficient on fewer touches and it's we're kind of seeing it play out at least my pre-draft evaluation you know I was big on that that contact balance and and his ability to break tackles and we see it now I think you know PFF tweeted he's what is it 37 percent forced missed tackle rate and that's the highest nobody else is above 30 percent so I mean that's kind of incredible so why do we like Javante more than Najee? That's kind of the start of it, the tip of the iceberg, but I'll hand it off to you, Matt. Why why Javante over Najee in the long run? Well, for starters, I think when constructing a team, and this is going to sound maybe stupid to some of you listening, but, I mean, Javante's two years younger. Like, Good point. It is what it is. You know, what is it? Najee will be 29 when Javante is signing his second contract at age 26 or something, or 20, 26 and, and 28. So I, it, to me, it just makes sense to go with Javante. And it's not even like he's bad. And like, like Chad alluded to, this is not an anti Najee piece whatsoever. This is just, we're helping. I, I want people to understand how good Javante actually is. I tweeted this out earlier today. I, I think I think we would both agree, Chad, that for 2021, it was always Najee. I don't I don't think there was any question right. where you would prefer right. Javante over Najee. Najee's uh has you know almost 80 set almost 88% of the snap share. He has 90% of the opportunity share. He's out carrying, out targets, out rush yards, more receiving yards, more receptions, total touchdowns. All of that is more than more than Javante. And it should be because he's getting double the workload than Javante. Javante snap share is half of Najee's at 44%. His opportunity share is half of Najee's at 46%. Uh, he is 55 carries behind Najee. He has roughly, what is that? What would you say? 25-ish targets behind Najee. Granted, I think 20 of those came in one game for Najee. So the targets are probably actually a lot closer outside of that one game than what the numbers suggest. Uh, but then this is where it starts to get interesting for me. Najee has 55 more carries than Javante, but only 75 more rushing yards. That is a 
abysmal. What is that? That's, that's really eye-opening. That's like 1.4 yards per carry on those 55 carries, 55 yards or carries or something like that. That's ridiculous. Their fantasy points per opportunity, Javante Williams, 0.76. Najee Harris, 0.79. So on a per-touch basis, Najee is barely outscoring Javante Williams. Now, we look into the efficiency where where this is where I think it's important. Uh, Javante has better efficiency metrics and true yards per carry, yards per touch, juke rate, yards created per touch, yards after contact per attempt, first down percentage per attempt, missed tackled tackles forced. Uh, his passing grade in PFF is sixth in the NFL. His elusive rating in PFF is second in the NFL. His breakaway percentage, according to PFF, is second in the NFL. I mean, Javante is, let me let me look here, top 22 in every efficiency metric that is valuable, that predicts the success of running back in the future, while Najee is outside of the top 30 in most of these. And I think it's I think a, a, an interesting scenario to look at is let's compare 2020 James Robinson to 2021 Najee Harris. Huge workload, really really bad efficiency, and the the jump that James Robinson has made from last year to this year because James Robinson now is I think I believe top 12 in all of these categories as far as efficiency goes is unheard of, absolutely unheard of. Most guys don't jump up from outside of the top 40 into the top 12, even the top 10 in some of those, uh, I believe he's number one in several categories like James Robinson has. James Robinson put in work this offseason, and it is showing. That's not to say Najee can't do it, but the jump that Robinson made from year one to year two is extremely rare. And it's not like the Steelers O-line is going to get dramatically better next year. We still don't know what their quarterback situation will be next year. So you can't definitively say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going there. Russell Wilson is going there. Deshaun Watson is going there. It could be Dwayne Haskins. It could be Mason Rudolph. It could be Mitchell Trubisky. It could be somebody else. Like You just don't know until it happens. So when you're looking down the road, which guy would you rather have in 2022? I think it's clearly the more – actually, not even clearly. The significantly more efficient running back in Javante on projecting the same workload that Najee is getting right now. And I had some people respond to my tweet saying, you know, the NFL is shifting to a more committee backfield anyway. Like, you know, Najee's workload is special and stuff like that. And I hundred percent agree. Like Najee's workload is special. You rarely see guys getting 90% opportunity share. But as I alluded to at several podcasts ago, there are more running backs right now in the NFL with the 60 plus percent snap share slash opportunity share than there have been in the last four years. So I don't buy that the NFL is shifting to a more committee approach. I buy that the NFL still wants to lean on a workhorse, but now they want an elite backup to go with it, like we've seen in Chicago with uh, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Got Teams are now looking for really, really strong backups. And I think that's kind of what maybe Denver did. Melvin Gordon's your 1A. Javante's your strong backup this year. Next year, Javante's your 1A but he's probably going to be good enough than maybe Mike Boone or anybody else. So if Javante sees like a 65% snap share, maybe like a 70, 75% opportunity share, 
I think he's 1,500 total yards easy, 10 touchdowns easy. Like he's a top 12 fantasy dynasty fantasy football player. Uh, and I also have written down here the 17 game pace. Uh, Javante's 17 game pace is 1,135 yards and four touchdowns. He's an 1,100 yard running back on less than half the snaps. Think about that. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. And not that it matters that much for Najee because he is on the field so much, but he's Javante Williams is a better uh, pass blocker as well, which is, you know, he's, he's a guy that they, even with Melvin Gordon there. And typically when you bring in a rookie and you have a veteran who's a starter and it's kind of turns into a timeshare, you typically go with the veteran in a lot of third down passing situations, a lot of high value touches around the goal line, stuff like that. They're not doing that. They're they're basically just trading off series. One back will play the entire series. The other will play the next. They don't come off the field really during that series. So they trust Javante to pass block, to touch the ball around the goal line, to be just in high leverage late game situations. And to your point about, you know, Mike Boone, first of all, I've heard, I think Sam mentioned before that you know, he could see Gordon back on like a cheap deal. I don't see that happening at all. Like, I don't see any way that happens. But I think this team does like Mike Boone. And, you know, they've talked about him being a capable, you know, part of a, a backfield, that, that, you know, getting touches and, and playing time. So I think next year you're going to see Javante as a pretty much a workhorse. But Mike Boone, they like him, but he is kind of a complimentary guy. So I think they'll use him as a complimentary piece and then, you know, they'll search for like a backup that they can plug in if something were to happen to Javante where Mike Boone's role wouldn't change. But I do think you're going to see Javante on the field as a workhorse next year. And, you know, I would, I mean, top 10 back based on the efficiency. I don't really have a whole lot to add just because you went through it all, but it's, it's a lot of what we talked about pre-draft is coming to fruition and it's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, one of my biggest things was his his contact balance is probably the best I've ever seen from a prospect. And it's really showing up and translating to the NFL. And that doesn't always happen because guys are bigger, faster in the NFL. It's it's not as easy to force missed tackles, but he's he's doing it against, you know, legitimate NFL defenses. He's running through guys. He's running over them. He's running around them. He has you know, the juke rate, also the, the contact balance, he really just does it all. And man, he just, he looks like he's, I believe he was a valedictorian of his high school. And I mean, you can tell that he like picks things up quickly on the field. He's a quick learner. So that's big too, um, in terms of gaining, you know, the, the trust of teammates and, and the coaching staff. So, I, you know, I'm as high as he, I've never really probably haven't been higher on a prospect than I was Javante and, and nothing has changed for me. I think he's a, even with the cost going up, he's still worth going out and acquiring before next year. Yeah. I think that's a great point about the cost right now is that the closer we get to the new year, the more expensive he's going to get every passing hour. He gets that much more expensive yep. because there is the anticipation that Melvin Gordon is gone. I agree with you. I don't think Melvin Gordon comes back. Uh, for multiple reasons. One, they just spent a second round pick on a running back. It doesn't make sense to have him continue to be in some weird committee, you know, for his entire, you know, first two years, first three years, what have you. Uh, 
there's a chance that this entire staff is gone next year, which would make it more likely that Melvin Gordon doesn't come back. Um, and I think, like you said, there's just a, every week he's going to get more expensive. And even if in some weird scenario, Melvin Gordon does come back, he's going to be projected as a top 12, top eight, even top six fantasy quarter or uh, excuse me, running back next year. So if you want to buy him, now's the time. And the later you wait, the more expensive he's going to get. And there's a good chance that come the spring that Javante might be viewed on the same level as like a Jonathan Taylor value wise, like, or at least close to it. Maybe I, I would not shock me if next summer you see guys like Saquon Barkley flipped straight up for Javante Williams. Like it just wouldn't shock me because I think that's, the direction that he's moving value wise and he's going to get the workload and all of his numbers that I listed off here a minute ago suggest that he could easily be 15, 1600, maybe even more uh, yardage back with double digit touchdowns. Absolutely. I agree. And you look at kind of the, the dynasty running back landscape. There's a lot of guys who are starting to hit that plateau. Like, you know, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Alvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, all those guys are going to be 27 next year. And we're seeing a new wave of young backs, like you said, JT, even Najee, but I would, you know, Swift, um, if Gibson can make that leap. Some of those guys, that's where, I mean, Javante is going to be in that range. And I think I would take him over most of these second year backs like Swift, Gibson, obviously not JT for me, but that's, I mean, it's not crazy to think that's about where his value lies in the offseason. I would not hesitate for a moment to trade my 2022-101 for Javante. Smash I accept. I agree. I would have taken him first. I said it before. I would have taken him first this year over over Najee or or yeah. any of the other guys. So I'm, I'm with you. I would trade 101 for him, certainly. Could not be more in on Javante Williams. Um all right, one more thing, Matt, before we get out of here. Let's do a little keep trade cut. We haven't done that in a while. I threw a little list together of guys who are sort of valued in the same range, according to DLF's uh, startup, Dynasty startup. Let's start it off with your guy, Chase Claypool. He's going as wide receiver 21 in the month of October on DLF. Jerry Judy, who's going as wide receiver 23. Devontae Smith, who's going as wide receiver 24. Uber-talented players, kind of different situations. Claypool, Judy, Smith. Who are you keeping, who are you trading, and who are you cutting? This is for Dynasty, right? Yes, for Dynasty. Okay, so for Dynasty, I'm keeping Chase Claypool. I don't think there's really much to be said here. He's alpha one. He has ridiculous talent. Big Ben is ruining this offense. I what was it? I I think Andrew dropped a, a tweet in the chat this morning. I think Ben Big's Ben Big Ben against Chicago had 30 pass attempts, and it was like 150 air yards. Like that's that's so small. That's ridiculous. Uh, Chase Claypool's your downfield threat. He's your jump ball guy. He runs deeper routes. Obviously, he's going to run some shorter routes every now and then, but that's not really his game. So I think now's a great time to buy Chase Claypool because and start dreaming about the quarterback for 2022 because this is terrible right now. And even Deontay's suffering some. Uh, I'm trading. Ooh, 
I think I'm trading Jerry Judy because the value is higher than Devontae Smith right now, and so I'm going to cut Devontae Smith. Yep, I'm right in line with you. Maybe that one was too easy because I completely agree, or maybe we just like Claypool uh, more than others. But these guys are all grouped together. But I mean, you hit it, you hit it on the head with Claypool. He now's a great time, <clears throat> excuse me, to go buy him because of what Ben big Ben is doing to this offense, but the talent is clearly there and he's going to be a huge breakout candidate. If they get a quarterback that can push the ball down the field, I'm looking at some of these deals. I mean, the trade finder on DLF, he went for Brandon Ayuk and a third round pick. I mean, you got to be on the Claypool side there. So I'm keeping Claypool. I'm with you. I think Judy has a little bit higher value than Devonte Smith. So trade Judy, cut Smith, but I do like what I'm seeing from, from Devonte. Uh, he's, he's definitely got some upside as, as does Judy in this offense. So tough, tough one between those three, but Claypool's the guy I'm, I'm keeping. So next one, let's go running backs, Antonio Gibson going as RB nine in the month of October, despite some of his struggles, Joe Mixon going as RB 15, David Montgomery going as RB 17. What's your uh, who you keeping, who you trading, who you cutting? I'm keeping Gibson here uh, for youth, for pass catching ability. He's in an offense that does like to feature the one uh, running back. I understand he's been hurt this year. I thought his week one was really good. And then I, I don't know if that's when the shin injury happened, but it's kind of been a little bit downhill or very up and down, I should say, since then. So I do think next year uh, he'll be a lot better than what he's been this year. We saw the talent another year in the offseason and transitioning to the running back position. Uh, the only question I have is, is J.D. McKissick returning next year? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think, is a, is good to trade here in this scenario because he's currently the RB6 on the season. He does have a possible top three finish in, in his range of outcomes this year. Maybe even potentially the RB1 if he can get – close to Jonathan Taylor on a really good game, but he's top top three, I would think for sure. His trade value is very high right now. And then I'm, I'm cutting David Montgomery because he's just coming back from injury. Khalil, Khalil Herbert showed that he can play. Uh, we did see the other night that there is no committee. It's clearly David Montgomery's backfield, but uh, it's, it's a bad offense overall. So keeping Gibson, trading Mixon, cutting Montgomery. Yep. Once again, I agree. So maybe this one was a little easy, but I wanted to kind of highlight that Gibson is a good buy candidate. If you're not contending or, you know, just a hold guy for next year, I think he's a guy that could really emerge next year uh, after struggling a bit this year with, with his injury and, and things like that. But also I threw in Joe Mixon because I know you've kind of liked him, Matt, and talked about him and, he's been really good the last few weeks. I know you had a tweet. Um, I don't remember it off the top of my head. Do you, it, the last few weeks he's, his targets were insane and he, his, yeah, his the, big, fantasy I outgoes. the biggest thing about that tweet. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I also saw one from Hayden winks where I think he said that outside of the game where he only played like 28% of snaps or whatever it was, he's averaging like, 16.6 points per game or something so the production's been there when okay i got your tweet it's in joe mixon's last four games 57 carries 250 yards four tds more eye-opening though is the past game usage 16 targets 14 receptions 
163 yards and two touchdowns. So I think that's the key, the passing game usage. And he's and he's averaging almost four and a half yards a carry. I think it's 4.4 if I did that math correctly. So he's been really, really good lately. And they're finally using him in the passing game, which has always kind of been the knock. Exactly. That's And that's why, that's the one reason I liked him a bit this year. Uh, so the pass game usage is clutch. But again, if, if you're not and really contending, he's a good trade. He feels yeah. like he should be 28 or 29 years old because he's right. been, he, I think he's been in the league since he was like ju- just turned 21 or was 20. He's he's only 25. Like, I, th- I believe he, he turned 25 this year. So he's probably has another solid three, four, maybe four years of production. I thought he was 26. Oh, you're right. 25. Yep. When's his birthday? July 24th. So he just turned nope. 25 for all practical yeah. purposes. That's wild. It I is. Mean, he's still young. Yeah. Uh, he he pro- he might have maybe two more years of legit RB1 usage and finishes. So, yeah, I believe he was the youngest player in the league when he was drafted and then I think even in his second year he was one of the youngest players in the league. So And he's on a really young offense with a really good quarterback, some really good receivers and a very good offensive mind. So, it's not like we're talking about a really good player on a bad team. We're talking about a good, a very good player who is getting the usage on a very good offense. So definitely. So I think, you know, it's situational. I think he could be an, a good sell or a good buy, depending on where you're at, but I'm with you keeping Gibson, uh, trading Mixon, and then cutting Montgomery who was having a really good year. His, his value kind of was at an all time high until he got injured, but I, I might've talked myself out of it. I might keep Mixon and trade Gibson now. I just think with Gibson, his upside is tremendously high. I mean, he's, I think it was Corey who wrote an article about, you know, the CMC kind of comparisons. And he's really the only one of, if not the only back in the NFL that had that CMC type upside. Not that he's going to get there, but. I guess I'm just a little sour on the first few weeks. Maybe, Maybe do this exact keep trade cut. Like at the end of the year, I might feel, I don't know. Okay. I'll make a note of that. I, and actually I will say I was lower on Gibson than most. I had zero shares this year, but I did go out and buy him in that, a dynasty that I'm kind of reloading in. So I, I just think he has tremendous upside for next year, but let's move on to another trio of running backs, guys all going somewhat close together. Daryl Henderson as RB25, Elijah Mitchell as RB23, and Michael Carter as RB30. Which one are you keeping, trading, or cutting? Why don't you go first? Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm going to... This is tricky, but I'm going to keep Daryl Henderson. Um, I mentioned a few weeks back on the pod that he was my dynasty riser. And I think it's to the point, I just, I don't trust Cam Akers coming back, even though, you know, there's clips out there of him putting in work. I think Henderson is, is a good player. And I think he's showing that. I think he's really good and a great offense. I would trade Elijah Mitchell just because I think his value is really high right now. Um, One of my concerns with Mitchell, well, there's a couple, he's been banged up a lot already. I don't really trust Shanahan to stick with, any one back we know we know there's always going to be multiple guys there and until last week Mitchell was not involved in the passing game whatsoever they did get him involved last week but I know that there were some reports of hasty being banged up I just don't think they really want 
Mitchell too involved in the passing game. Um, and then that leaves me to cut Michael Carter. Unfortunately, I, I think Michael Carter is going to be a solid player for a long time, but I think his upside is kind of a lot more limited, um, you know, and especially in that Jets offense that, you know, as long as they are starting a backup quarterback, who's willing to check it down to him 10 times a game, then he's going to produce in PPR. But I just don't trust him in the long term to be like the guy there. So I'd keep Henderson. I'd, I'd trade Mitchell and cut Carter. I'm going to be a little bit different here. I think I'm going to keep Elijah Mitchell. I'm going to trade Daryl Henderson. And then I agree with you. I'm going to cut Michael Carter. I think Mitchell, you know, he has the potential to like be a long-term running back there in San Francisco. He fits the system well. So I get that. I just don't think he's, I mean, people are valuing him pretty high right now. And I, Higher than Henderson? Because I agree with you. I'm I'm not, you know, I, like I said before, I don't want to be the first guy to find out if Cam Akers returns to form. I've seen the videos. The hype is coming back. I, I hope he makes it back. I'm not, I'm not rooting against him. I'm definitely rooting for him, but he would be the first ever. And when we say come back, there's a good chance he comes back and plays again. Like, I don't, that's not the question. The question is if he returns to his same explosive physical form that he was before. So I think there will be enough of Cam Akers that comes back to force that more to a timeshare than what Elijah Mitchell will deal with, if that makes sense. Interesting. I think... I just... I think... I mean, people talk about, oh, like, McVay really loves Akers. He really loved Henderson, too. I mean, when he drafted yeah. Henderson, he was stoked. And, I mean, they spent and, a third round... Wait, was he a second or third round pick? I think they paid two threes for him. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... and. I just think he's going to be the starter next year and Akers is going to have to earn playing time. And I just don't trust Mitchell in that backfield. I think he's going to be banged up a lot. I don't think he's going to play a lot of passing downs. And I think they're going to use, I mean, it's possible Sermon starts to pick it up. It's possible, you know, Hasty's the third down guy there in the long term. It's possible. I know Jeff Wilson was activated, but didn't play last week, but it's possible he gets work in. I just, I think Mitchell's value is higher than it should be essentially. So uh, he's the guy I'd look to move. The last one, I couldn't decide. I, I threw four wide receivers on here because I couldn't really decide. So um, I guess you can cut two or whatever, but T Higgins going as wide receiver 15, Amari Cooper as wide receiver 16, Deontay Johnson as wide receiver 17, and Mike Williams as wide receiver 18. This one is really hard. You want to go first or you want me to again? Yeah. Who's your keep? Let's start there. Who's your keep? Hmm. I I would um, <laughs> see this one is tough. Um I think it's either Deontay or, or Higgins. See I, Yeah, I would and I want to lean Higgins. I think Higgins is the safest. Yeah. But I think I'm I'm gonna go with Deontay. I'm gonna keep Deontay, <laughs> just because I believe he's had like the third or fourth highest target share since like middle of the season last year, something like that. He he sees roughly 11, 12 targets a game, even with a new quarterback next year. I don't see that changing enough to where it like puts you off of him. I will say, 
I was kind of leaning Deontay, but I'll say Higgins to be different because A, I don't think Higgins has a ton of trade value, but the guy is seeing a very high, I don't have his target share up, but he's it's, seeing a ton of it's targets. The weirdest thing. He's seeing like nine targets a game. He has like a 27% target share, but nobody wants to trade for him. Yeah. And I, I own him in a league and I've 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 watched him closely these past few weeks and I, I tried to trade him at different points and yeah, nobody wanted him. And I was like, all right, I'll just keep him. And I've been watching him closely and he's been very close to having a few really big days. Like, you know, he was down at like the half yard line on a crazy catch a couple weeks ago when he had 97 yards. So um, really close to adding a touchdown in there. There's another week where Burrow missed him in the end zone. And then he also had like a 15 yarder come back for penalty. And, and, you know, the last few games 15 targets six targets eight targets uh, he's just and, and they're utilizing him kind of i think as the primary x receiver with chase being more downfield and obviously chase is amazing tremendous but I'll, I'll i'll hang on to t in this situation i think mike williams is probably the trade candidate just because he's young and and exciting and he's had a lot of big moments um this season what do you think who are you trading who do you think has the most value trade value i guess either cooper or mike williams the yeah. other two guys i think i think it's probably i think i think I, I think cooper i think i would trade cooper i think and, the perception curveball I'm, I'm gonna keep deontay i'm okay. gonna hold no that's the same thing as keep Damn it. I thought I was. It's all right. We could, I mean, you know, we make the rules here. Go ahead. Okay. I'm keeping Deontay and Higgins. I'm trading yeah. Amari Cooper and I'm cutting Mike Williams. I would trade Williams just because I think he's, I think some of the perception around Cooper is that he's hit or miss. He either blows up in a game or he's, he's real bad. And with Lamb there, I think people just, it automatically kind of, I don't know lowers the value of Cooper in people's eyes, whether that's right or not. And then we've seen the flashes from Mike Williams, who's had a couple of rough games though since then. But I do think he people are still excited about him. So he's probably the one I would trade. Michael Gallup's coming back this week too. Yes, good point. I have him in a few leagues. He's an interesting uh he's a good buy dynasty. He's a right good buy. Yeah. Another guy I want to highlight, I was gonna highlight when we talked about Odell, but Donovan Peoples Jones, he's a guy I actually started him in a league last week and He's a really good, you know, he has the size, speed, all that stuff. And the only issue with him is he is not seeing consistent targets. You know, he's only seeing two to three targets. Like last week, I think he had three targets. He just made the most of them. But if I think teams are going to line up and say, you know, we're going to do our best to stop this Browns rushing attack. Let's let Baker beat us over the top. And if Peoples Jones is seeing, you know, five, six, seven of those looks downfield, I think he has real, you know, at least wide receiver three value the rest of the way. And then I believe Jarvis Landry is a free agent at the end of the year too, right? I, I could definitely see a scenario. And I don't think they'll look to bring in, you know, after the Odell debacle, I don't think they'll look to bring in a big name wide receiver that obviously they'll add to the room. But I think it's very possible that Peoples Jones is kind of their maybe 1A, 1B next year or or even just the flat out one. So I had somebody ask me this. Yes, last night actually in Dynasty, who would you rather have, Nico Collins or Donovan Peoples Jones? 
I mean, it, it's easy for me, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I, I do, I don't, I don't have anything against Nico. I like him as a prospect. I know it's probably closer for you. Yeah, it's, it's actually not close at all. I would prefer Nico like by a ton. Interesting. Because okay. my, my issue with Donovan Peoples-Jones is not Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's the issue with the quarterback and the offense. This is not an offense that builds around a true one. It's more of like of a wide receiver by committee kind of approach. It's a run-heavy scheme that utilizes two running backs as well as the tight end. Uh, and uh, what you call it? Uh, Baker. Yeah. He's, ve- he's very average. And, you know, the point is just like, oh, well, you know, Houston Texans, they have Tyrod Taylor. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking for certain things from Nico this year. But moving into 2022, Nico was drafted to be their alpha one. It's a, lot, it's a little bit different than Peoples-Jones. I think Peoples-Jones kind of fell into their lap. I'm not entirely sure they had the biggest of plans for him. He was going to be a part of the team, a part of the offense, you know, a role player. But I think the drafting under context, you know, the Texans gave up three picks to move up to get Nico Collins. He was drafted to be their alpha one. He profiles very similarly to Chase Claypool. Uh, He's not quite as fast as Claypool, but that big body, super freakishly athletic. He's looked fantastic this year. And they'll probably bring in a new quarterback next year who is going to lean on, the wide receiver one, which would be Nico, because I think Brandon Cooks gets moved next year. So I, I would take Nico over Peoples Jones by a large margin because even right now, Nico's seeing like a consistent five targets a game. Yeah, that's fair. That's an interesting one. We should uh, put that on the Twitter account and get the people's votes. Um, because I definitely prefer Peoples Jones, but your arguments definitely make sense. I think I mean Peoples Jones is an interesting case study because he has the the metrics, like the physical metrics and tools. Oh, absolutely. But the college production was never there. Like he didn't put it, he didn't have a single 100 yard receiving game in college and slid to the sixth round because of it. He just could never put it together and uh, even bounced around a little in college, but the, the physical tools are there. And I think you're right about a run first approach, but they, they really need a downfield threat. And that's what OBJ was, was supposed to do for them. And I think, you know, with as, as good as that running game is, if they can get that, you know, play action deep ball going to people's Jones, he can be in- incredibly efficient on, you know, a relatively small target share. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about him going forward, but. Yeah. Like I said, my issue with, with people's Jones is not him, the player it's, it's more so just the surrounding circumstances and the fact that, you know, you, you stack on top of that. Nico Collins was drafted to be an alpha one. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, any last words before we get out of here? Y'all make sure you check out the Patreon. All of our in-season stuff is over there. Yeah, our in-season stuff is crazy. I mean, it's been so good this year. There's, I love writing the weekly review. I, I put a lot into it. That comes out on Mondays. Uh, so if you miss any of the action recaps, you know, the highlights. Uh, but we've got more than that, you know, waiver wire stuff, uh, Thursday night previews all kinds of stuff, daily content. Uh, so go subscribe to the Patreon backslash fantasy scouts. Remember, check out our website, ffballday.com. Check out that playoff article from Dynasty Doc and the Thrive Fantasy app. Go download that, enter in the promo code FFScouts for 100% deposit match up to $100. And we'll see you next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 